Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your spiritual journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Well, good morning. I'm Andy, one of the pastors here at the Valley. Welcome to the service, and uh, hope you're. I'm going to walk you into something special. Uh, you, sometimes you get these senses that God's going to do something pretty significant, pretty amazing, and I just have that sense all week, and so I hope you came prepared. I hope you came expecting not to be the same when you leave as when you came in the door, and uh, it just, uh, it'll unfold here as we go. It's already been. Uh, I, I can't, as we launch into this, and I'm going to, uh, this, this is an open Sunday, and what we mean by that is there's no sermon series, and so we don't have it already figured out, and so God just really prompted me to talk about healing, so we're going to launch into that in a minute. Before we do, I, I want to just share with you our new sermon series. It's called It's Complicated, because uh, life is complicated, isn't it? Singleness, dating, marriage, parenting, all of them have this in common. They're complicated. And uh, it sounds simple until life happens. And so what we're going to do, we know that you want to get it right. We want to help. And so through this series, we're going to help you figure out how to uncomplicate every one of those. It's really a relationship series. And so I want to encourage you. You know everybody. You know, you know a lot of people. Not everybody. You know a lot of people who need help in their relationships. In fact, this impacts every last person that you know, whether they're at work or home. So I want you to take these invitation cards on your seat. You can take the video if you're watching us online today and send it to somebody, invite them, because this can be a series that'll change their life. Healing. Anybody here need healing? <laughs> yeah. I heard about a man who was terminally ill, and he went to his doctor. He had to have this, this uh, his surgery. It was going to be a long surgery, and the prognosis wasn't good anyway. And uh, so he had the surgery, went back to his doctor, and, uh, and he's sitting there in front of his doctor, and the doctor says, you know what? I've got some bad news for you. And he's like, and the doctor says, you've only got six, six months to live. And the, and the guy looked at him and said, but good night, doc. It's going to take me at least a year to pay you off. And the doctor said, well, in that case, I'll give you a year. <laughs> Don't we wish it was that easy? Healing isn't any joke, is it? A few years ago, I was uh, actually helping my nephew re-roof a house. And uh, I should have known better. And I, I was down there, and uh, actually, they say when you bend your knees and then you make a sudden movement sideways, that's when you tear the meniscus. So it obviously happened when I was re-roofing, helping re-roof the house. It bent all day, and I must have made that sudden movement. I was just stiff the, most of the day, and it got worse at night, but it really didn't hurt. But the next day, it did. I mean, I couldn't walk. I couldn't do anything. I'm a runner. I couldn't run. I couldn't even walk. I mean, this was, it really did hurt. And, uh, I, you know, I limped around for about three months. Eventually, it got to the place where I could at least walk. And, and I was starting to just be able to run. Then I tweaked it again. Not just tweaked it, but I really threw it off. And it was hurting all over again. I, I realized the gig was up. So I went to Dr. Kremchak. He's the Reds doctor. And I asked him if he could heal. He said, yeah, I can heal it. I said, can you make me a professional athlete? Because he's a resident. He said, no, I don't do miracles. So I, 
<laughs> so, but he did it. But he did do the surgery and repair it, and uh, it was it's almost as good as new. Um, it cleaned the whole thing out, and it's amazing. That's kind of how we want healing to go, isn't it? We want to pray for healing. We want to go somewhere, and we want it fixed. And just like that, it's all over. Sometimes it works that way, and if you've been around life long enough, you realize that sometimes it doesn't. I've had other moments in my life, and so have you, where you've gotten hurt far worse than that. Maybe it's an emotional pain. Maybe it's, it's shame or guilt. Maybe, maybe there's just some fear in your life, some anxiety, and that, the pain of all that is just weighing in on you. And, and healing was much harder to come by. You know, what I've learned about healing is, there's a lot of things I've learned about healing, but, but here's the thing. Healing comes from the Lord and he wants to heal you but oftentimes we don't believe that God can or that he will and the regrets in my life have really come from not trusting that God could heal me have you learned that yourself I'm certain that if I went around the room here in this room today whether you're in the room here now or whether you're sitting at home or on your phone wherever you're at driving down the road I'm certain that every one of us need healing in some way. And, and the reason I know that is you tell me your stories. You tell me your stories. I was talking to somebody the other day and they had COVID to the point they almost died and, uh, and now physically they're not the same they used to be and they probably never will be. You, you lost a child and, and the crushing weight of that loss just has you wrapped and you can't get away from it. Some of you have lost relationships. You were in abusive relationships. You were in relationships that weren't healthy, and now you feel broken, and there's real pain from that. Some of you have lost children, and, and, and it just crushes you. Others have gotten a diagnosis that says, my life is never going to be the same. You're going to hear a story about that later. That kind of stuff happens in this world. Did you know that? That kind of stuff happens in this world. It's why the psalmist says this. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Anybody here feel that way at times? When you need healing, that's how we feel. Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Well, we need healing. That's the cry of our heart. I can't imagine those people in Texas that have lost their children, their grandchildren, the, the pain that they feel. And, and it's got to be crushing. It's got to be a gas for air in every sense. And, and it says this. In fact, this is written in Job. It says, man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. And because we live in a broken, fallen world, every one of us needs healing in multiple sorts of ways. And so the question I think we gotta start with today, uh, I think it's, it, 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 we, we, can't, we can't talk about healing until we, until we get to this question, and that is, does God still heal? D does he still do that? Did he ever do that? We go to the book of Exodus. God himself says this to the Israelite people who are in bondage or in slavery, who need healed in all sorts of ways. He says this to, the, to them, and I believe he's saying it to you today. I am the Lord 
who heals you. Do you know God has a name? He has multiple names. Do you know one of his names is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals? I want you to know today God heals. God still heals today. When you get to the New Testament Gospels, particularly all the, the, the there's four Gospel writers, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're all writing about Jesus' ministry here on earth and what he came to do. And as, as they're sharing, they share miracle after miracle, healing after healing. Mark's Gospel especially, and that's where we're gonna camp today. That's where we're gonna be. You see, God wants you to know that he's a healing God. He was a healing God in the Old Testament. He's a healing God in the New Testament. He's a healing God today. He is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Now, now sometimes God gives us what we ask for. Sometimes we pray very specifically, and I'm going to I'm gonna give you some ideas about how to pray for healing, how to ask for healing. Sometimes we pray very specifically and God gives us just what we ask, just the way we hope and what faith builders those are. But there are times when God doesn't do it the way we think he ought to. He, he, he doesn't heal us or so it seems. And we begin to lose faith. We begin to doubt that there's a God who heals. But I want you to know today that he is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And sometimes he will do what we ask him to do. And sometimes God does something better. Sometimes God does something better. And unless you and I come to the place where we realize that we're living in the dot, 70 or 80 or 90, or a hundred, or a hundred plus years. But we're living in the dot. But we're living for the line that stretches on to eternity. Until we understand that we're living here for this, we'll never accept that maybe God has something better when it doesn't go our way. It doesn't go the way we think it ought to here in this life. And so today, I want us to look at a story that God gives us through the gospel writer Mark. I hope you'll turn with me, Mark chapter 5. And it's actually two healing stories all tied together. You ever read those the novels or maybe historical and a historical book, an autobiography, and they, they go from this scene and then they go to another scene and then they go back to this one and then back. That's kind of what's happening here. There are two healings taking place <clears throat> And there, there's a reason they're tied together. And so I want us to take a look because I, I believe God has a word for us today that he wants to speak to you who need healing. That's all of us. And he wants to show you that he is still Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. So join with me, <clears throat> Mark chapter five. This is, uh, this is fascinating. It says, when Jesus had crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on him so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Can you feel the emotion there? Can you feel the desperation? It said a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. 
She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet she had got, but instead of getting better, she grew worse. She'd probably, she'd probably uh, made the phone call to that, to that quack doctor on TV. You know, she'd, she, she had done all those things. She tried every pill. She tried every medicine. She, she had gone to each and every opportunity for a doctor, and she'd only gotten worse. It said when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around to the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, his disciples answered, and yet you asked who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, were back to Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why, why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they had said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. Some of you needed to hear that today. That's a word from the Lord for you. Wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, whatever it is, that thing that you need healed from, don't be afraid. Just believe. It says he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. We might be similarly laughing inside in a moment like that. This guy's lost his mind. He's delusional. It says, after he had put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Fascinating stories of real healing and real hope. And God gives us these stories today. He, he has Mark record these events for us because he knows we need to understand what healing is all about and what kind of faith it takes to receive the kind of healing that he wants to give us. And so let's talk about healing faith today. Let's talk about healing faith based on what God wants us to see from these passages that he gives us as a gift today. I want you to know healing faith is coming and clinging to Jesus. Healing faith means coming and clinging to Jesus. Jairus was a synagogue ruler. That meant he was in charge of everything that happened at the synagogue, and he would manage the services there and manage the synagogue. So he was, he was pretty high up as far as, as the religious order went, which means like he could handle things, like, like he had means. And if he wanted the best doctors and, and the best medicines, he had access to all those kind of things because he would have been really a VIP kind of sort of person. 
And yet they had used all those means and his daughter is still dying. And then we have in kind of, in the other corner, we have this woman who has, who's in the opposite end of the social order. See, Jairus was the, in the religious. He was in and she was not because she had bleeding going on. And if you, if you go back to the Old Testament, you find out that bleeding caused you to be unclean. And so she was ceremonially unclean. By the way, if you're like really confused about all that, well, we're gonna solve that. We have a six-week series on Leviticus coming up. We're gonna crack the code of what that all means and all this. So if you've always been like, what is that all? Come, now this, we have this four-week series and right after that, a six-week series on Leviticus. And you say, well, that's gonna be, no, it's not. That's gonna be exciting. You wait, we're gonna uncrack it for you. So come to that one. She's ceremonially unclean. Like, She's spent all her money. She's, she doesn't have access to the best, but she's tried to, so she's used all her resources. She can't call favors in. And guess what? She's broke. She's tried every gimmick. She's gone every place, and she has nothing. And you know what's really fascinating here? We got people, one end of the spectrum and the other, one in, one out. And in the end, they're both desperate. In the end, they can't heal themselves. Have, have you discovered that today? that there are some things in your life you cannot heal. There are some things in your life is way above your pay grade. Ever been desperate? When I was a student, I went to Spartan School of Aeronautics in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was an aeronautical school, and this was a place, uh, the, the, the actual classroom was close to the airport, um, but there was no campus, uh, f- so to speak. And so you lived in one place, went to school, work, whatever. I had to have a car, and I had a car. And I was working at McDonald's late one night, and they had that, like, 100-year flood event. I mean, it, you talk about rain, and that whole thing was just wiped out. I, it's late at night, like midnight. I'm coming home from, from work, and I remember there was an overpass, and I had to go down under to go to, to my apartment to get off the highway. And so I did that, and I started going down the ramp, and all of a sudden water just starts spraying all over. Water's coming through the floorboard. I hit the brakes and get stopped, and I'm like in panic mode because if I lose that car, it's over. Like, I don't have any more money, and I don't have any more car. And I can't go to school. I can't, go to, I can't do anything without that car. Now, my car needed cleaned out. That is just not the way to do it. And uh, stuff floating up. I'd be like, whoa. So I get out, and I start hitting it like a tackling dummy, and I was able to move it up enough. It, it had stalled because the exhaust was underwater. And I remember just getting it far enough up that I was able to restart that car. But I want you to know there was desperation in my heart in that moment. I thought my college career might be over and everything else. That, that's, that's a kind of desperation that's only so desperate, right? But there's a desperation that comes into our life when we realize that we can't do it, that we don't have the ability, that we don't have the strength, that we're not smart enough, we're not big enough, that we have limitations, and that we need somebody that's bigger than us. And both Jairus and the woman come to the place where they recognize that everything else they've tried isn't enough, that they can't do it on their own. Are you desperate today? Are you desperate today, or do you have a lot of options? 
and I'm going to try this, and I'm going to try that, and I'm going to do this, and, and God is just one of many? Or, or have you decided that ultimately God's the only way you'll be healed? Now, now I know there's a little asterisk here. You're like, well, how does God heal? I believe God heals through doctors and nurses and medicine. Sometimes he chooses to heal that way. Do you know that's still God healing? Because he created the doctor, the nurse, and the medicine. And he gives them wisdom beyond who they are to be able to do the things. And he skills them. He gives them gifts and abilities. And I believe God heals that way sometimes. Sometimes God heals miraculously. He does things that we don't understand. He reverses the natural course of things. He intervenes in our human spear. He just does things that humans couldn't do. Sometimes God heals that way. And then sometimes God heals in ways that we don't understand. And he does something better than we even ask for. But you and I tend to dismiss that and we don't see that as healing. I want you to know real healing only comes when you come to the end of yourself, when you cling to Jesus and you believe and trust that he will and he can and he can and he will heal you however he chooses to do it and that he is the source of every healing that you will receive whether it's by uh, a nurse and a doctor in medicine whether it's by a, a touch that you can't explain that can only come from him or whether he does something we don't even understand Healing faith is also taking action. It's taking action based on, on what we believe. You see, it's not enough to believe. We have to act on what we believe. It, it's fascinating here, but look what happens or opens the door to the healing that takes place. It says, Jairus pleaded earnestly, this is with Jesus, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus goes with him. See, he takes a step of faith and he comes to Jesus. This is Jairus, the synagogue ruler. He's got dignity. He's like, he's the Jewish leader. And who's this upstart named Jesus who, who's coming and healed? But he sets aside his pride. He sets aside his dignity and he comes to Jesus. He, his act of coming to Jesus says a whole lot about what he's believing in. You know, I think it had to be tough for him to believe maybe not as much at first when his daughter was alive, but then these people come to him and say, don't bother the teacher anymore. The gig is up. Your daughter has died. I think it had to get a whole lot harder then. And Jesus tells Jairus, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, just believe. And then there's the woman. The woman comes up to Jesus. And by the way, can't you just imagine how frustrating this must have been for Jairus? He's coming. He's trying to save his daughter. He knows there's only one way now. He's finally come to the place. He recognizes Jesus is, is, is his only hope. That's his daughter's only hope. And he's got to get there, and he's got to get Jesus to come to, to save his little girl before she dies, because who raises people from the dead, right? And so he's got to get there. Now there's this woman. She's got a problem, yes, but what is she doing slowing the process down? What, what is she doing getting in the way of my healing, of my daughter's healing? And this woman, 12 years, that's a long time. If you've been unhealed for 12 years, you know that just sorts to wear on just like Chinese water torture. 
That drip after a while of pain and suffering will get to you. And I think she's there. And look what she does. Let me get to the next one. It says, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the cloud, or the crowd and touched his cloak. It, it says she touched the hem of his garment because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. What's fascinating, in both cases, they believe in their desperation. They get to the place where they believe that Jesus can and that he will heal if they can get to him. And so they come to Jesus. They make their act of faith they live it out, and they come to him. And she believes she'll be healed if she'll just touch his cloak. And look, look what Jesus says. He affirms that. He says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. See, faith is trusting God's promises even when we can't see how they're going to happen, even when we don't see how they can be. And I want you to know today our faith is evidenced by our actions. I've come to realize this. Some people say, well, how can I believe? I, I don't know if I believe. See, God has given us evidence. He's given us evidence in his death and resurrection, how he died, and then he rose from the dead, and there were hundreds of witnesses. That's evidence. And he gives us prophecy that you and I can read, and he foretells what's going to happen in excruciating detail, <laughs> lots of detail. Like it, it points to Jesus as the Messiah, and it would take way, way, way more faith to not believe that than to believe it. He gives us evidence, and, and you and I were to examine the evidence. And when we examine the evidence, we'll come to the unmistakable conclusion that Jesus is who he says he is. And then we believe. And when we believe, guess what? You don't really believe until you have evidence that you believe. <laughs> In this, evidence leads to belief, and then belief to be, to be real faith. There has to be evidence that we take action based on what we believe. Is there enough evidence in your life to show that you really believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that he's the only way. See, we don't have a dumb faith. It's smart on both ends. You and I, we need to examine the evidence. Have you examined the evidence of who he is and what are you putting your hope in? Our faith is evidenced by our actions. And if you want to be healed, there's some actions that you can take. And Jairus and this woman do. They don't care about what other people think. They don't care about their dignity. They just know they need healed. And so they go to Jesus. And when they take those steps, they're evidencing that they believe he is the Messiah, that he was the one to come, that he is the one to come, and that he is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And she, she believed, the woman, that if she just touched his garment, he believed if he came to Jesus, they would be healed, his daughter would be healed. And so the question I have for you today, do you? Do you believe that when you come to Jesus, that if you come to him with whatever that thing is that you need healed from, do you believe that he will heal you? Healing faith keeps on believing no matter what things look like. It, it, it keeps on believing no matter what things look like. Jairus, I think, is a great example of that. Now, the woman had 
you know, she, 12 long years. She, there had been a long period of her coming to this desperation, this decision to examine the evidence and realize Jesus was who he said he was. But Jairus, he came to that place as well. And so I have to think it was easier at first. The daughter wasn't dead, so he's coming to Jesus. But then along the way, as we heard in this, in this passage, the people come to him and say, don't bother the teacher anymore, she's dead. There's nothing that can be done. You know, it's one thing to believe when you think things are looking up, when there's still some human hope. But it's a whole other thing when your hope has died. And Jairus' hope has died. And I love what Jesus says to him. I hope you'll all take this to heart today. Jesus says to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. Wow. One commentator says it this way. He says the tense of that is the go on believing. Go on believing. You were believing. You were doing just fine. You were trusting in me. Just because there's some turbulence, just because it looks dark, just because we're, you, you feel like you're at the end of your rope and things haven't gone and it's over, it isn't over. Just believe. Just go on believing. I've been reading about the space race uh, back in the 50s and 60s and 70s, and uh, fascinating stories. We know we were losing the race to the Soviets, and so we started this project with the, with, with the uh, Mercury, and then the Ge- uh, it was Gemini, and then, then the Apollo series. And we were just about to send the first man into space to, to orbit, and, uh, or not just orbit, but I, but I guess get to the outer space, and that would be a first step for us. And Alan Shepard was the first guy who was gonna go to outer space. <clears throat> Incidentally, he had a, he had, I guess he was a character, uh, he was sitting on top of the, they asked him, what do you think about when you're sitting on top of the rocket before it launches? He, he said, well, I think about how they, uh, they bid this out and uh, they built it with parts from the lowest bidder. And uh, so, <laughs> something really heartwarming, you know, to, to think about on top of the rocket. But they took off and uh, it, the, the launch went beautifully. But then when you get to the speed of sound, the speed of sound creates kind of like a wall, and you have to break through the wall at the speed of sound, and the, and the air pressure gets great. And when they got to that place, the rocket began to shake so severely, he thought the thing was going to come apart. And so he got on the horn with Mission Control, and he was going to start describing what was going on. And then he realized that somebody weak-hearted in Mission Control was going to abort the mission if he did that. So he kept his mouth shut, and he just wrote it out. And about 30 seconds later, he said it just smoothed out and off the space he went. You know, sometimes we're like that with healing. Everything is going beautifully, and then all of a sudden everything begins to shake, and it seems out of control, and we aren't going to make it, and this isn't going to happen, and I don't know how. And we get, we get to that place where the turbulence begins to happen, and it doesn't look good, and we don't know how it's going to come out, and we stop believing we stop trusting. And God wants us to keep on believing no matter what. <laughs> he says, don't be afraid. Just believe. Believe in me. I'm Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. I'm, the, I'm good for my promises. If I raise myself from the dead, nothing you got is going to be a problem. But now let's get to the elephant in the room. Some of you have prayed for healing. Very specific things. Big things. 
and it didn't happen. And some of you are praying for big things right now. You need God to intervene, save your marriage, to heal that child, to heal your broken heart, to, 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 to solve this physical thing. You don't want to be an invalid the rest of your life and, and this disease or sickness has brought you there. Whatever it might be, you're in, you're in a bad place. And when we pray like that, and it doesn't happen, we wonder a couple different things. Did I pray wrong? Do I not have enough faith? Is God not good enough for it? Is he not big enough? Is, is, what is going on here? And I want us to understand this. I think this is so important that we have to fully trust God in his sovereign plans. See, that's part of healing faith. We don't see it that way. Unless it happens exactly the way we pray it, we think God has messed up. He's broken. He isn't big enough. But I want you to understand today that when we believe God, it's not just believing Him for what we want. It's believing Him for His best in our life. Because here's what I've learned about healing. It's not primarily the removal of our circumstances, although we pray for that. And we should pray for that. God, would you heal my knee? I prayed specifically, God, heal my knee. Heal my heart. Heal my mind. You pray for those things. Heal my child. You're going to pray for those things. Sometimes God changes those circumstances. But if you're dependent on that, you will be crushed if it doesn't happen. You'll be crushed if it doesn't go the way you think it ought to. Healing faith is trusting that whatever God decides is best. And that faith, that faith leads to hope. Not a, oh, I wonder if it'll happen kind of hope, but a no-so hope. Much of our healing comes when we say, Father, I believe. I know that you care about my life. And I'm praying that this will happen. But if you choose to do something else, I'll trust you. Do you trust him today? Do you trust him? The only way you can do that is to decide that you're not living for the dot. You're going to live in the dot, but you're living for the line. And God may be doing something better through your suffering. He may be doing something in that pain or in that difficulty you're going through that is going to, that's going to bless you for the rest of eternity and bless others for the rest of eternity. Do you trust him in that? Today, uh, I, we're going to be in second service baptizing someone named Kathy Young. We normally, you know, we have baptism services periodically and we, we want to disciple folks and spend time with them and then we do the baptisms. But in this case, Kathy Young in her own words uh, has very little time left on this earth unless God chooses to intervene and heal her. And uh, she's got brain tumors and uh, she had to have surgery this week. And uh, uh, so we will, we'll be baptizing her by pouring because she can't be immersed. Her story is so powerful, and I, I want to read it to you, and uh, you may want to experience that baptism at the end of second service, because she understands what I just said. She understands that sometimes we pray, we, not all, we pray specifically for healing. That's what you ought to do. Name what you want God to do. If you want your knee healed, pray for your knee. If you want your child healed, pray for your 
child and pray very specifically and pray and pray and pray. Don't pray once. Pray, pray, pray. Don't, some people say that's babbling. No, it's not. Not if you mean every one of those prayers. If you're invested in every one of those prayers, if you are focused on God in every one of those prayers, we're to pray with persistence, to trust God and to ask specifically. And sometimes God's gonna do that very thing. I think often he does exactly what we pray for. But we gotta get to the place of Jesus and say, God, I'd love for you to take this away. I'd love for you to change this, but if you don't do that, if you don't take this cup from me, may it be as you will, but, and not as I will. You gotta come to the place where you trust that if God has a bigger plan, it's okay. And so pray specifically for what you need. And sometimes God's gonna use humans. He's gonna use doctors and nurses and people to come alongside and he's gonna heal that way. And that's still God healing. Give God the glory when he uses who he's created and what he's created. Sometimes God's gonna do it miraculously and he's gonna touch you and you're gonna be like, and don't downplay those stories of people who have been healed because God reached in and touched them. Here's two cases right in scripture, historical truth, where God reached in He raised a young girl. He healed a woman. They were desperate. They came to him and he healed them. He just just did what they asked him to do in a miraculous way. But sometimes God doesn't do that. In second service, we're going to pray for Kathy Young. We're going to anoint her and ask God to heal her. We don't know what God's going to do, but she's already healed. I want you to know that because of, because She's believing in Jesus. She's believing that God's got a great plan for her, whether it's in the dot or whether it's in the line. She's good either way. Let let me read this to you. She says, "Um, my name is Kathy Young. In December of 2020, I walked into an ER because I had a headache that wouldn't go away, and my life hasn't been the same since. I walked into the CT room and was asked if I wanted a wheelchair to get out. It was in that moment I knew that nothing would ever be the same. When I got that CT, uh, they found my brain had a baseball-sized tumor in the right hemisphere. They told me, and metaphorically, this was the very moment I was dunked. She's writing this as her baptism testimony. It threw me underwater, and it threw me hard. Next thing I knew, I was in the back of an ambulance on the way to OSU. When I was baptized the first time, it was because it was something my mom did. Since then, I found God in my own life. I've watched him work in so many different ways, and he has blessed me beyond belief by being, beyond belief. She says, by being baptized, I feel like I am sealing my own relationship with God and showing my faithfulness to him. I love that. That is a lot of what baptism is. It says, about a year after my diagnosis, I began going to church again, thanks to a man named David Anderson. I was at his home for Easter that year, and he made us watch the service. It was then I realized how much I needed it in my life. And if I was going to to go, even if I had to go alone, and I was going to go even if I had to go alone, so that's what I did. I chose to go to the valley because I know a lot of others who attend here. After a few months, I joined my first Bible study, and I loved it. So I did another that I couldn't finish because I was stuck in the hospital. That's when Julie Alexander, someone who attends here and leads our ladies' Bible study, put me in the Priscilla Shires Armor of God study. 
She says, girl, you saved my life. You gave me people to lean on, talk to, feel protected by, and to me, that's who God is. He's inside every one of those girls. He's around me, and he's protecting me every moment of the day. And then she ends with this. God hasn't healed my body, but he's healed my soul. That's it. That's faith that acts. That's faith that believes that Jesus, he's able. He can heal me physically. He may choose to do that in a number of different ways. But if, but if he chooses not to do that, if he chooses to do something better, I'm not gonna get angry at God. I'm not gonna get frustrated with him. I'm not gonna cast him out of my life. I'm gonna trust that he's got something better, that he's doing something bigger. And I don't like it, but I trust him. And in the turbulence, I'm not going to abort my relationship with God. I'm going to ride it out and go to the heavens. Where are you at today? Do, do you trust God that much? Are you living for the dot? Have you put so much emphasis on the here and now today that you can't allow God to be God and to do bigger things? Because he cares more about your life than just what's here. He cares about your eternity. And sometimes he does things in these moments of pain, these moments when we need healing. If we'll allow him to, he will transform us in it. And he will make us who he wants us to be. So pray for healing. Ask him for healing. God is glorified when we specifically ask for healing and we're healed. And we praise God. We need some healing we can see. We need people with skin on we can say, God still heals. He's Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And yet, we also need some people like Kathy who say, I'm not afraid, I believe. And I'm going to go on believing. Even though it looks like you're not going to heal me in the dot. And I had a life planned. I, I have my whole life ahead of me. She's 22. You think, but this is just, this is just a moment when you look at all eternity. And, and you got to come to the place, if we really want healed, that we realize that if God wants to do something bigger and better, he's God, and he's good. And we trust him in that. Today, um, you know, in second service, we'll be, I'm going to baptize her right here. And then we're going to anoint her for healing. And if, and if she's not healed and stands up and walks out, that's okay. I, I would love for that to happen. I would love God to do that. But if he chooses not to do that, it's not because we didn't pray hard enough or we didn't, hopefully, didn't have enough faith. No, it's because God wants to do something bigger and better. I think he already has. And so I want to just, in this moment, I just want you to stay seated wherever you're at, but we're gonna, I'm going to ask people to come, and uh, you know who you are, and uh, we're going to pray for healing. We're just going to, so come on if you're, if you're those who are, are going to be available, and maybe you just want to pray in your seats. But I want to give you space to pray for healing. 
And it is very biblical to come and ask someone for healing. Maybe that's your act of faith today. Maybe you need to go. And so we have anointing oil, and uh, oil was always a symbol of healing, is a symbol of healing. So when we anoint, there's nothing magic in the oil, but it's a symbol of God's power, that he is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And so maybe you need to swallow that little bit of dignity or, or that, oh, I don't know if I want to do that and go and ask for healing. Maybe you just want to sit at your seat and talk to God. I want to give you some space for these next few minutes, and, and then we're going to close. So um, let me pray. And if you'd like to move to wherever, Father, thank you. Thank you for what you choose to do in so many lives. Thank you for how so many times you've touched people and you healed them and you restored them and you made them new. You made us new. You lifted up the pain that we felt. Lord, I, I pray for the, those folks who are here today and, and so far it hasn't happened for them that way. Would you give them strength? Would you give them peace? Would you help them to go on believing? Would they trust you for your best in their life? Not question you, not discard you, but to cling to you even tighter. And just pray in this moment that you'll just help all of us to call on you. So I want you to just quietly rest in his presence. Talk to him. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected to all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.